You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Talking the epic victory over Stanford on Friday night. We'll go back, relive a few of the highlight moments, talk a little bit about the statistics and break down the overall feel of the game, how it factors into things going forward for the University of Utah. We'll also talk about rankings, including SP Plus, ESPN's FPI, uh, really strongly starting to favor the Utes and how that plays into things moving forward. And then we'll recap the weekend in terms of University of Utah athletics. All that on today's episode of the Locked on Utes podcast for November 8th, 2021. My Utah friends and family, welcome to a Monday edition of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Check us out wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Uh, wanted to get right into it today and break down the game from Friday night. It was a tremendous effort from the University of Utah. I think anyone who watched the game felt almost giddy throughout most of it. The first half was unlike anything I've seen from a Utah football team in a very, very long time. Uh, And it's proven by the sheer volume of numbers that the University of Utah was able to put up during the game. I think the most impressive one to me, uh, outgained the Stanford Cardinal 581 yards to 167. And we've talked a lot about on the podcast how Utah has to get better on the run defense side of things. I think holding Stanford to 83 yards is an improvement. I'm just going to go out on the limb with that one. Call me crazy if you want. They held them to two point, or uh, yeah, 2.7 yards per rush, which is just absurd. Uh, Utah was all over the place, especially in the first half. I think Stanford really only had one solid drive there in the third quarter, and it seemed like an aberration. I didn't like the third quarter simply because it didn't feel like the rest of the game. It's not like it was a bad quarter, even though. I think there are some parts of this performance that you can likely nitpick. Again, at the goal line, Utah did not convert when it was fourth down. They have to make sure that they are doing that on all, every time. You just can't go into these, this last stretch of games and, and look, Arizona and Colorado are not going to provide a massive uh, opponent to have to go against. It's not going to be a huge, uh, stressful situation. They're, they're just teams. They're not that great. Uh, in fact, I think most people would probably say they're both pretty bad. You know, There are strengths on either side of those. But really what it is, it's about Utah. You have to be firing on all cylinders as you go into this last stage of the season. You cannot let anything slip by. And so I think that's one thing that I look at and I think to myself, okay, that's got to be a little bit better. Uh, The passing game was not great. And I think some of that was just simply that they didn't need it to be great. But Utah was 7 for 11 on third down. They were 1 or 2 on fourth down. They ran 68 total plays. They averaged 8.5 yards per play. That's absurd. They had three running backs over 100 yards. That 
Uh, Tavion Thomas, 20 carries for 177 yards and four TDs. That's now two straight games where he's had four TDs. He is on pace to break the single-season record for most most rush TDs now. Uh, It's very, very impressive. Uh, Utah's now scored four games in a row, uh, scored on their opening drive. Uh, Thomas, obviously this one, the 10-yard running TD, um, they got it done early on that one. Uh, I thought one thing I liked about that drive, Utah's done a lot better converting on third down, especially early on. I think a lot of that is to Cam Rising's credit. He didn't have a great game against Stanford. He didn't need to. He was effective. He got done what he needed to get done. He was a 60% completion rate, no turnovers, no touchdowns, 13 and 22 for 140 yards and a 112 point, uh, Point five rating. This is a Stanford team that gets their arms up. They get in the B gaps, uh, as the coach, defensive coaches like to call it, the the throwing lanes. Um, that's where a lot of offenses are designed around to, to open up those B gaps. So A is uh, A gap is either side of the center. B gap is between guard and tackle. C gap is outside. Gaps are usually uh, a defensive. Uh, concept. So when we talk about the run defense gap control everybody has an assigned gap so when people talk about two gapping and lucky Fotu, he was able to control both of those a gaps that's what made him so valuable utah has not been as good at that lately i love i, I will say this i thought huati pututau played a pretty darn good game for utah in that regard um and obviously junior tofuna is still making some massive impacts uh all over the place utah again uh 441 yards rushing it's just absurd. Long of 96, which is an all-time record uh, for Utah. So congratulations to TJ Pledger. I was watching that play, and I was like, huh, I wonder if that play alone is enough to get him a camp invite because he did showcase some good vision, broke some tackles, had good long speed, and uh, didn't go down and get tripped up at the very end there. So, um, And the crazy part about it is that put Utah had 35 to nothing heading into the last part of the half. And then they probably could have even gone up 42 to nothing. So credit to Stanford for finally getting uh, a stop at that point in time. It's the longest rush from the line of scrimmage in school history. Like ranks third all time in the Pac-12. Um, it was just an absurd game. You know, and, and I think all aspects of it, it was super fun. It was explosive. Utah was really explosive. Of their 46 total rushing attempts, 18 carries on the night, which is almost 40%, went for at least 10 yards. Seven of those 18 carries went to Tavion Thomas, and in total uh, of those 18 big plays, Utah got 372 yards rushing. That's really good. Um, We talk all the time about explosive plays, and Utah was really solid in explosive plays. Um, Explosive plays are typically defined as 15 yards or more. Uh, Utah had 21 of them by the stat broadcast version of it. That's either 10 plus yards rushing or uh, 15 yard completion. That's really, really solid for Utah. Their again, third down conversion percentage was 64%. That's incredible. Their average down and distance on third down was five yards. That's really good. Stanford's by comparison was 15. Um, that's not good. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome for that one. Utah averaged almost 15 yards per completion. Uh, So when we're talking about the passing game not being, like, really on point, it was still pretty on point. They were averaging in an explosive play or a big play almost every single completion. That's that's tremendous. Uh, On third down rushes, they had six of them for 22 yards. Um, 
it was just a, a really outstanding game for Utah, and, and they put it out of hand very early on. Uh, five of six in the red zone is the one thing where I'm just – that one kind of irks me. I didn't like the way they finished off the drive either at halftime, but these are very nitpicky mistakes, right? Like if you watched that game and sat there and thought to yourself, well, I'm going to have a bad Monday because Utah didn't do good in the third quarter, that's a you problem uh, for sure. And I thought even, you know, the punting game is stressful at times. Without Michael Williams, it's okay. He had a 40-yard punt. Uh, Utah didn't really need to punt very much. That's really the best thing ever. Uh, one takeaway, obviously, and it was a pretty big one there. Uh, Devin Lloyd scoring a touchdown off of it. Um, Utah forced a fumble and recovered one, too. Um, had two fumbles, lost one. So I guess like that's something that you could maybe point at, but only two penalties for 10 yards. Um, it was pretty wild looking at all this stuff here. I, I just, you know, time of possession was almost even, but that was really the only statistic that was even between the two teams. Uh, again, uh, Utah five sacks for 19 yards. Um, the the defensive statistics are also pretty absurd for Utah as it wasn't just Devin Lloyd obviously was great nine total tackles five solo one sack four TFLs uh, one breakup obviously the INT and a touchdown Nephi Sewell five total tackles four solos one TFL uh, Zamaya Vaughn had five tackles um, one and a half TFLs and another pass breakup same with Cole Bishop Cole Bishop had a pretty uh, Pretty solid line, um, unless you listen to Hans and Frank afterwards uh, talk about it. And uh, they were real big fans of Cole Bishop. But he had four total tackles, two solos, one sack, two TFLs, a pass breakup, and uh, was just a, a good presence. I, you know, Jonah Ellis, another one, um, right there in the midst of the, the Devin Lloyd interception. So we saw Bryson Reeves had two tackles. I believe those were on special teams. We saw a tremendous block from Makai Bernard, who got flagged for holding, which I disagreed with. But um, it was a very interesting game for sure. Mostly because when we talked about all the advanced statistics, this one was supposed to be close and low scoring, and it was nothing of the sort. I think Tanner McKee being out of that was just too much for Stanford to overcome. And as it was, we've talked about it a lot. Stanford's really struggled the last few years to get the right kind of guys in because the early signing day has really hurt how they typically conducted recruiting. They weren't able to get guys uh, applied and admitted in time. It was, I believe, at one point in time, a Stanford policy that a player could not have an official offer until they had been accepted to the university. I don't know if that's still the case or not. And this is not me reporting anything. This is just things that I've heard. So if, if I'm wrong on this one, uh, let's not lose our minds over that. Um, you know, I, I thought, you know, Urasek, the tight end for Stanford, I think he was pretty solid. Uh, Michael Wilson obviously was there, uh, fired up, excited to play. Stanford got a little chippy at times, which was really bizarre. And it, it was such a strange game because it was like Utah just took the life out of them immediately. Then they came out for the second half, and, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, the fight's back on, and then it wasn't. Uh, Utah went right back down the field. I thought the offensive line, another clean sheet, zero sacks allowed. And obviously, 441 yards rushing um, is tremendous. The combination of this group, they're just firing on all cylinders. That's the best way you can put it. And I think as Utah rounds into form here, it's great to have them all firing together. Uh, that's what you need to do when you go build your daily fantasy team over at Prize Picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. You've already heard us talk about it. They're the leader in college sports daily fantasy. You uh, They offer more college football props than anyone in the world. 
All-star players from all the levels, uh, G5, P5, whatever it is. Yes, that's right. You can go get Sincere McCormick. He had a big game on Saturday. Shout out to the UTSA Roadrunners. Meep, meep. Uh, Price Picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. Uh, the best part about it, if you go make a deposit up to $100, they will match it as long as you use our promo code Locked On. That's a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. So 100% match up to a hundred dollars pick two to five players that pick your over under in the projections it's you going up against the numbers you're not playing against anybody you're not playing in a league you're not going up against professionals that try to claim that this is their day job uh or they call themselves day traders and really they're just fantasy experts which sounds like i don't think that would be a good job for me but uh fantasy expert sounds like somebody that plays a lot of magic the gathering if i'm being honest how do you sign up for prize picks? Use the award-winning app on both the Apple App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com. Use promo code locked on or go to the App Store and download the app today. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. Rolling along here on a Monday for the Locked On Utes podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every day. As always, free and available on all platforms. Be sure that you are following us on your favorite podcasting platform. If you don't have one yet, I highly recommend Odyssey or Spotify. Uh, I use Spotify a lot. Odyssey is kind of like my backup one. So uh, for maybe the podcast I don't listen to as frequently or if, uh, you know, Spotify is being janky because it happens from time to time. I really like Odyssey. Let's talk about things that have particular uh, ratings towards college football. Uh, ratings, numbers, all that kind of thing. Prediction models. Uh, it's It's all the rage. I know. I hear it. I get it. You all want to know about it. Uh, so we're going to start out with the College Football Power Index 2021, the FPI uh, for ESPN. And wouldn't you know, there's the University of Utah coming in at number 15. College Football Power Index goes as follows. Georgia 1, Bama 2, Ohio State 3, Oklahoma 4. Yeah, nobody loves that. I get it. Uh, number five, Michigan Wolverines. Six, Pittsburgh Panthers. Seven, Iowa State Cyclones. Eight, Clemson Tigers, which is bizarre because they're six and three. Uh, Wisconsin Badgers, nine. Uh, Cincinnati Bearcats, 10. Texas A&M Aggies at 11. Oklahoma State Cowboys, 12. Penn State Nittany Lions, 13. Notre Dame Irish, 14. And obviously Utah, 15th. Uh, very different from the AP ratings and everything like that fbi uses more of a statistical evaluation approach once you know it for those who are obviously going to be asking byu checks in at number 42 um it's uh if you go off of resume you know utah's still number 15 there um their strength of schedule is 77th so it's not really good uh the remaining strength of schedule is 49th uh so so not really strong um, in that respect, they are incredibly efficient overall as a team. They're ranked 17th in the country per the FBI efficiency. The offense is 15th and the defense is 22nd. What a time to be alive. Oh, yeah. By the way, special teams is 116, so not great. Uh, but that's FBI. FBI is is iffy, hit or miss. Um, ESPN's FBI currently has Utah. Um, with projections in terms of how they're going to finish the season. 
Um, and, and again, percentages are just guidelines, right? Like, so a 60% chance is, is six times out of 10, they're going to actually win that game. So they should win it. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen. Um, you know, Utah has yet to crank uh, back into the AP. If they win this week against Arizona, get some help. There's probably a good chance that that'll that'll happen. Uh, 24 point favorite old Utah is right now for this game. Um, but it's it, they are in a really great spot to finish out the year. Um, 15th again FPI. Their percent to win out. 31%, so they give them a 1-3 chance to just win all the games. They give them a 98% chance to win the division and a 56% chance to win the conference. So if you're almost 50-50 chance to win your conference, I think that's probably a great spot to be in for the Utes. Uh, a 92.5% chance of beating Arizona, a 62% chance of being Oregon, which is actually pretty good, all things being equal, and then a 92.8% chance of beating Colorado in the last game of the season. So statistically, Utah, um, you know, projection-wise, um, it's all right there on the table for them. You all know that I like to look at uh, SP+. Plus. Uh, Bill uh, Bill Conley and and it's funny because I think Bill Conley got sideways with Utah fans early on because they were winning a lot of games that statistically they shouldn't have and I think what Bill was trying to the point that Bill was trying to make was hey your talent level just isn't there yet and lo and behold we found that out right firsthand I think 2019 is a great example 2018 not as much I think they hung in that game in the conference championship a little bit more. But now I think that the talent level and everything like that for Utah has really started to climb, and and it's showing up when you look at the SP Plus rankings where Utah lands at number 21. If you look at the very top, it's Georgia at number one. They're at 31.4 overall rating. Offense is ranked sixth in the country. Defense is ranked number one. Number two is Ohio State. Uh, weeks previously, they were at number one. So we're starting to see the real movement start to happen where the cream is rising to the top. Uh, Ohio State, the best offense in the country per SP+, the 13th-ranked defense, and also the number one special team. Shout-out to Chris Olave, who I will never get over not coming to the University of Utah, but it was probably a good decision on his part. He is one of the most fascinating special teams players to watch ever. Alabama comes in at number three, uh, third-ranked offense, ninth-ranked defense. Wisconsin at four, which is just such a weird thing because they're six and three. And then Michigan at five, Texas A&M, Clemson at seven is still too high. So that, that's got to even out. But they have the number four-ranked defense, so I think that's what's swaying it. And then the number 20th-ranked uh, special teams, um, they're at a 20.3. Cincinnati number eight, 19.7, 22nd-ranked offense and the 11th-ranked defense. Oklahoma, and then Pittsburgh rounding out the top 10. Like I said, Utah comes in at 21. Oregon is at 15. They have the 15th-ranked offense and the 30th-ranked defense. Utah has the 21st-ranked offense and the 26th-ranked defense. They are 125 on special teams. And uh, if you want to kind of ask your BYU friends how 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 well they would uh, do in the rematch if, if Cam Rising were playing, you could probably use uh, SP Plus um, to, to wage war against them. Is BYU is ranked 40th, um, and I don't know why that is. They're 20th on offense. They're 70th on defense. I think it's got to be some of what happened with uh, them playing some of the G5 teams and whatnot. But, hey, they're still whatever, 5-0 in the Pac-12? I don't even remember. 
So, uh, interesting to see that kind of stuff. But Utah made a big jump. They went all the way from 30 to 21st, and, and they're starting to climb over and over again. And it's because of the offense, really. The defense is starting to catch up a little bit. SP Plus does not help the Pac-12 at all, though, right now. It's not looking very solid. Um, but it is an interesting thing to look at. I, I really enjoy seeing just those kinds of uh, movements and everything like that. BYU made a big jump. Uh, Arizona State went from uh, 29th to 16th, so a big jump for them last week. Uh, some teams that are stumbling, obviously. Uh, Rutgers, poor Rutgers, from 69th to 79th, not nice. Um, but it's kind of a fun way um, to, to gauge things. But it, one thing that Bill kind of scales out with this is that the the resume for Oregon is entirely based off of Ohio State. Um, and, like... That's not a good sign, right? Um, but at all, also, like, it's just kind of one of those weird years where there's not a lot of, of, of crossover or anything like that to, that, that can give you uh, a lot of uh, standing ground. So I guess it's just going to be the committee doing what they think they should do. And we'll all kind of hang on and find out if they're right or if they're not. Um, it, it's, it's just a weird season. Utah, obviously, starting to creep into the AP now to the, – the, Others receiving votes, so they're not super high up there. Um, but it's fascinating to see that Utah is starting to do that again. They're, like, they're a program that I think once they start rolling and cooking, and, and I think that Friday night game against Stanford helped a lot. Once they go, if if they beat Arizona and then go to play Oregon, it could get really spicy with a lot of this kind of stuff. So that'll be interesting to see for sure. Just wanted to kind of give you a breakdown of everything. As we roll into the week, we'll be talking a ton uh, of Utah versus Arizona. Uh, basketball starting up this week. We'll likely have on Michael Luke for a crossover episode. Uh, talk about the Wildcats. Find out what the scoop is with them. Um, and all that coming up on this week's episodes, along with all your favorites. Sammy Moore, Cole Bagley should be uh, stopping by as well, as he had last week off. Was out vacationing. Shout out to you, Cole. Good work on uh, taking a break, my friend. Uh, it was well-earned. That guy's been grinding. We're going to talk about Utah athletics around kind of the, around the scope when we come back with our next break. But I wanted to talk to you about Built Bar first. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. I don't know how many different ways I can tell you. Like Most protein bars suck. There are other protein bars out there that are really tasty. Built Bar, I think, has the best tasting, the most consistency, in my opinion, of, of all the bars out there. And it's some of it is just that the special flavors, the puffs, they just give it a different consistency. And, and that's why I, I really like it. The banana cream puff is one of my favorite Built Bars. Um, it's almost like eating a little chocolate-covered marshmallow, but you're getting protein instead of sugar. Uh, and you're getting a lot of protein. You're getting whey protein. Um, and there's so many different flavors. That, that, you know, you can pick whatever it is that you like. If you like fruity stuff, if you like chocolatey stuff, they have doc double chocolate, cherry barcia, salted caramel, co coconut almond, mint brownie, raspberry, coconut, and then all the additional flavors that they drop all the time on the website. Uh, they're coming out with new limited time flavors all the time, so check their website off, and you don't want to miss out. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. 
Closing things out here on a Monday for the Locked On Utes podcast. Thanks for joining me. As always, uh, we will have a variety of, of castmates joining along throughout the week. So stay tuned for that. It was a big weekend for uh, Utah Volleyball as they downed USC Trojans in four cents up at the Huntsman Center on Sunday. Uh, bounced back with a 3-1 win on Sunday after dropping uh, a big match against UCLA on Friday night. Fell uh, to the number 13-ranked Bruins in five sets in that one. Uh, UCLA won first set 25-20. Utah bounced back to win the second 25-21. UCLA won the third set 25-23. And then Utah won the fourth set 25-18. And UCLA squeaked out the win with a 19-17 fifth set. That game was on Friday um, up at the Huntsman Center. And um, tough loss for the volleyball team, although, you know, in theory – uh, U- UCLA should be the better team as they're higher ranked. I know that that was one that they really wanted to, to get. Danny Drews just continues to kill it, literally. She had 29 kills, one ace and two blocks. Uh, Madeline Robinson had 20 kills as well, one ace and one block. Zoe Weatherington continuing to do good things with eight kills and three blocks. And Amelia Vanderwerf uh, had eight kills and six blocks, which is awesome. Uh, it was errors that kind of got Utah as they had 30 compared to UCLA's 26. Hitting percentages were about even. UCLA had 90 points, obviously Utah 88. It was a very, very close game. Um, just a couple errors there that really got Utah. Allowed UCLA to get that one, and then they bounced back very strongly to b- defeat the Trojans in four sets. Uh, 25-18, 20-25, 29-27, then 25-23 for the final set. Danny again had a ni- nice game, 22 kills. Zoe uh, Weatherington stepping up with 13 kills, 5 blocks. Uh, again, Madeline Robinson. So you're hearing all these names all o- over and over again. And it- it's been kind of the same four or five uh, players every single time. Madeline had 12 kills, one ace, and four blocks. And Amelia Vanderwerf had nine kills and six blocks. Another good game for her. Utah and USC had the same amount of kills, but Utah had five less errors, uh, 155 attempts, and were a little better on their hitting percentage at 27-7. That led to the 76-72 advantage for Utah in the points. Also, two extra assists and two extra aces and two extra blocks. And the Utes take down the Trojans. So now uh, they'll go on to at Arizona on the 12th. That's a 3 p.m. start. And then they'll continue on down uh, on Sunday at Arizona State. That one will be a 1 p.m. start. They'll have four games remaining, home for California, home for Stanford, home for Washington State, and home for Colorado. That's a four-game homestand. That'll be huge. Uh, for the volleyball team as they try to angle themselves and position themselves well for the end of the year, obviously the Pac-12 tournament, and then the NCAA tournament as well. I'm sure that they have aspirations of getting back to the NCAAs and washing out the bad taste of how last year ended, where I believe they lost to Pitt in the very first round. Um, despite being you know, a team that was thought to be able to make a run in that one, so a lot of cool things happening with volleyball. Um, current standings are UCLA is in first place, 12-2 and two in conference. Uh, Washington in second, 11-3. Washington State, 10-4. and four. Oregon, 9-5. and five. And then Utah, 9-5. and five. So they're coming in right now at the five, five seat. So an opportunity with Washington State coming into town to get a W there. Uh, good chance for the women's volleyball team 
to kind of climb that ladder a little bit. Also in action over the weekend-ish, uh, women's soccer ties Colorado on senior day as they honored their eight seniors before the match. Final score was 1-1. Um, that was at Ute Field. Taliana Kafusi had one shot, one assist. Uh, Kylie Geis had the one goal. She also had one shot and one shot on goal. Um, Avery Brady, two shots and one shot on goal. Uh, Eden Jacobson with two shots as well. Um, Kylie's goal was assisted by Taliana Kafusi, as I mentioned. Uh, so uh, nice little set up there for the University of Utah as they tie on senior day. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there like, there's no tie in sports. It's soccer. Uh, what can I tell you? I don't think they're going to change anytime soon. So an interesting season for the University of Utah soccer program. It was the first year um, for the Utes under Hideki Nakata. It would be fascinating to see what he does now as the Utes finish off the season and he gets going on the off-season aspect of everything. Um but a, a pretty solid year, six and ten, six ten and four, one seven and three in conference is really where they had their struggles, and it was they were really good at points, uh, just not always consistent, and and had some strong showings against some teams like UCLA and whatnot, uh, just weren't always able to put it together. So, shout out to the women's soccer team for wrapping things up uh, with the tie against Colorado. That'll about do it for us today for our look around with the athletic department. Thank you as always for following us along here at the Locked on Utes podcast. This is my reminder. Get all your daily Pac-12 news in less than 30 minutes with Pac-12 expert Cindy Robinson. Uh, The best place for Cindy and Brown Bear content is the Locked on Pac-12 podcast. So go follow it on whatever your favorite podcasting platform is. That's it for me for today. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow, as always, here on the Locked On Utes podcast for November 8th, 2021. And we will talk to you again tomorrow.